I want to continue tonight to talk a little bit about healing. This is something that is very important to us. It's very near and dear to my heart. It was about this time last year that uh, I was diagnosed with melanoma. The doctors said that, uh, that what they found on the top of my head, you know, when you got a bald head, it's pretty noticeable. Uh, but they said it was melanoma and that it needed to be removed. Well, I didn't think... A whole lot about that. Actually, that uh, call came uh, on the Tuesday morning when Mark and Trina Hankins were here. So we had the morning service. Then after the service was over, we left. And before we, uh, and after after we ate lunch, um, I had gotten this message to call the doctor's office, and um, you know, kind of like I don't remember their exact words, but you could tell they really wanted me to call them, and that's not. That doesn't give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling, you know. So I made the call, and and that's when they told me, and they said, well, because of the real estate, they called it, the top of my head, the real estate. (laughs) Because of where it is, we we don't do that in dermatology. You're going to need a plastic surgeon. Well, I'm thinking, well, maybe the plastic surgeon can really do some good things for me. And as a matter of fact, I did ask him, could he make me look 40 again? He never would say yes. He just laughed at me. I asked him more than once, and same answer. But anyway, so we made the appointment to go and do that. And he come, and he checked me out. And, and it, it really, that's when it got um, interesting. Because I could tell he was really troubled. He was upset. And he immediately began to feel around on me, you know. He said... You know, he wasn't so concerned about removing the place because they can dig around and, and get that done. But his concern was, has it gone somewhere else? And uh, so anyway, he began to, to do all of that. And so he wanted me to see another doctor. And they wanted to coordinate the time when they removed that from the top of my head to a time when they also would do this stuff with dye and, and uh, look at, you know, how they do with those machines and to make sure that nothing lit up, that it was nowhere else. And so that day came, and, um, and so I went in, and, and they uh, shot needle, took a needle and shot this stuff all around the top of your head. And if you've never had a needle in the top of your head, be glad. It's very, very painful. And so anyway... Uh, they put me on this thing and said, you know, you have to stay here. You can't move. You've got to lay still. And it'll take about two hours. And so uh, we went and went and went. And um, finally, uh, they said, we're not seeing anything. So the doctor who was in charge of that part of this procedure, uh, he said, well, take him on to the other, to the surgeon now to get this this." what's there to get it cut away. And so uh, I went back up to the room, and the doctor that had done this, he came in. He had on his street clothes. He wasn't dressed for any procedures. He was smiling, and he said, I'm glad that we did this, and I'm glad it didn't show anything. And, of course, I was too. So uh, they took me back, and they did the procedure, and so they put me to sleep. You know, the first time in my life that had ever happened to me. And so they put me to sleep, and then I woke up laughing. Later on, I was laughing. I, I just, I guess I was full of joy. Yeah. 
anyway, I didn't realize what a big hole I had in the top of my head. And so uh, he told, they told me, you know, they'll stitch you up and it'll be kind of like a baseball. It'll look like a yin and yang. And uh, I didn't realize because the spot was about as big as the end of my little finger. And I couldn't believe that they dug all that stuff out of my head. But, of course, in doing so, they, were, they said, you don't need to do anything else. It's all over. It's all done. You know, don't worry about it. And it's done. So, I, uh, from that time to this, I have been, a, I've been so appreciative of the truths of God's healing word. So grateful. And I've also learned a number of things. I've learned that uh, the devil doesn't quit just because you know a few scriptures. I've learned that P.C. Nelson, who was a great pioneer of Pentecost, particularly in the uh, Assembly of God movement, he made this statement many years ago to a group of preachers. He said, always feed your spirit along the lines of faith and healing, in addition to whatever else you might be reading or studying, because he was talking to preachers. He said, because the time will come in your life when you or somebody you love will need it, and if you haven't done that, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And so I I think about that quote from time to time, and I realize now after uh, this July will be 43 years of full-time ministry, how many people I've seen at that place of a disadvantage who just didn't have time for church, they didn't have time for study, or they believed some good things, believe some things correctly but what they missed was their faith wasn't current a right now faith requires a right now word a right now faith requires a right now word now I went to work uh, we were in between houses we've been in between houses a number of times over the last 20 years and we were in between houses in an apartment and so there was a little balcony out there, that room for two chairs and a small table. And so I would go out there and spend, I don't know how many hours I spent, immersing myself in the Word of God. I wanted to know how this happened. What caused it. I wanted to know that I knew, that I knew, that I knew that my faith was not just in a skilled surgeon, but that my faith was in God. Because a lot of people have good doctors and still die. A lot of people have surgeries and treatments and they still die. And of course, through the whole process, you have this person we call the devil. You know who I'm talking about? And how many of you know he loves to talk? He loves to tell you things and he loves to try to get you into a place of fear and unbelief. Because if he can hold you in a place of fear and unbelief, he can do whatever he wants. If you can hold him in the arena of faith, then you will have what God wants. But the real decision is yours. The devil cannot kill you without your permission and even if it's a consent of ignorance and that might not seem fair and in a way it isn't that what we don't know and what we don't know how to do or we don't know 
at times what to do, that that would come back to haunt us. But the reason that that's so, and the reason that I must tell you that it's so, is because there's no reason for us to be ignorant of the things of God, the promises of God, the Word of God. Because it is our responsibility to fill our spirits with the Word of God. So I go back to what Brother Nelson said many years ago. Um, And by the way, that young minister that was in that class that day that heard him say that was a young Kenneth E. Hagin. And uh, he did a really good job of heeding the, the voice of his elders. But um, I go back to that and I realize that there were some things that were going on. And I'll say this and then I'll talk more about the details. Uh, I realized, and, and here is something I, I want to point out. I need to, I'm trying not to get in a hurry because I want to say what the Holy Ghost wants me to say. There were answers I got I would never have gotten had I not went and spent that time in the presence of the Lord. If I would have spent all my time talking to people about what they thought, if I would have spent all my time on Google looking up terminology, words, you know, and and symptoms and percentages and outcomes... I would, it, the result would not have been the same. I immersed myself in the Word of God. Now, I had uh, responsibilities here, and, and we didn't let any of that go. As a matter of fact, the day of that uh, phone call I'm telling you about, I, di- I didn't tell anybody but Glenna. I didn't tell Brother Mark, Miss Trenna. We didn't do anything in those meetings. Uh, to draw any attention to that. Now everybody has to do what they feel led to do, but I knew that I wasn't supposed to send up alarms either for myself or anybody else. And I also knew, and please pardon me, please don't be offended by what I'm going to say, but I also knew that I didn't need your sympathy. I needed faith and the power of God. And so sometimes it is actually uh, counterproductive to have everybody and their brother knowing all your business under the guise of so-called praying for you. Not everybody knows how to pray effectively. Not everybody knows how to use their faith effectively. And I don't say that because I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. Obviously, I'm not. This whole story is about a, a great imperfection where, where I've been concerned in my life. But the point is, you've got to... You've got to know the direction you need to go in order to get the results you want to get. And I knew that I needed to seek God. I knew that I needed to pray and I needed to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. And that is praying in tongues. And, and you know, that's why I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for people who try to argue against it and tell us that we don't need it and that's really not important and all that. I mean, I'm not mad at them and I, I never want to be unkind to anybody, but it is too powerful to put on the shelf. It works too well and it's too powerful to compromise it. And so I spent time praying in the Holy Ghost, and I spent time feeding my faith. And you see, as you get in the presence of the Lord, then you begin to get direction. And that's what I'm encouraging you tonight about this immersing yourself, immersion into the Word of God, listening 
to messages from people who are anointed to teach the message and listening over and over and over again. It's not a coincidence that in those morning sessions of last year's meeting, the teaching, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to the message on that, of that Tuesday morning from our app. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I listened to the teaching that Brother Mark did. God sent him here for, I'm sure, a number of people, to bless a number of people. But I needed to hear that. I need to go back and hear it again and again. And Glenn and I had this agreement, uh, not a disagreement. We have had a few of those, but, but that we had an agreement that if, if uh, I woke up in the night and I, I, I wanted to put this back on, because we would go to sleep listening to different messages, but if I wanted to put this on, that that was fine. You know, if it woke her up, she could get back to sleep. We needed the Word of God going into us. Now you say, that sounds pretty radical. Well, I'm healed. I'm well. I'm not standing before you today, an emaciated person with, with uh, you know, some months to live. No, I've got a long life ahead of me. I know I, I'm kind of old, but I'm not ancient. Speaking of that, my dad today is 88 years old. That's not ancient either. <laughs> So I need to at least live to be 88, you know, praise the Lord. So if you're looking for, uh, you know, if you're thinking I'm leaving anytime soon, you can have my job. You just need to go find your own job. <laughs> praise the Lord. Just, just help me do this one. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. But anyway, uh, I knew when this time, this, as I was immersing myself into the word of God, what actually begins to happen is your mind really does start to get renewed. And it really becomes, and I know this may, this may sound strange to some people, but, but I wouldn't lie to you. I have no, no purpose in lying to you. I'm telling you the truth to help you. It can get to the place where it's easy to believe God. It's easier to believe than to doubt. And now that doesn't mean the devil won't jump up on your shoulders and try to tell you, you know, what, and I mean that figuratively, of course, but that he won't try to tell you that it's not going to work and that, you know, you've had a good run. You might as well forget it. I remember uh, the song we sung tonight that uh, Mariah led us in, The Goodness of God. I remember singing that song just right after this was going on and the devil saying, you know, uh, all my life you have been faithful with the emphasis on you don't have much life left. That kind of thing. The devil will use any and every tool, any and every even unwitting person. It's not that they mean to do it, but he will use anything and anyone he can to try to dissuade you from your faith. Because my brother and sister, it is your faith in God that the devil has no answer for. He can argue you all day long about logic and natural facts, statistics, and probabilities. But when you take the devil to the Word of God, he is silenced. He's silenced. 
He doesn't have an answer for it. And so I, I want you to, uh, to, to follow with me. That's why this is so important to me. And I know that, that uh, you know, and in that process of time, then as I, I was immersing myself, I began to realize that the devil had been uh, harassing me. And, you know, sometimes you can be under a, a pressure from the enemy, and you don't really realize it until something else happens, and you kind of stand back and you get the real picture. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You get used to things. You get used to certain thought patterns and processes. You get used to things being a certain way, and if we're not careful, we will settle. And we'll just settle that this must be the way life is for me. This is the way it's going to be. And so I realized that the devil had been uh, harassing me and tracking me, so to speak, following me around uh, in a way with, with, a, uh, with two kinds of evil spirits. Now, I wasn't demon-possessed. Aren't you glad for that? Nobody wants their pastor to be demon-possessed. I don't mean that. I'm not talking about, you know, I, I didn't go commit adultery. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm saying that there was a spirit of fear that for a number of years he had tried to work against me. Not all the time, not every moment, and not of everything, but in this particular area he, be, he had worked against me. And then one thing, as we say, leads to another, and I realized somehow or another I had allowed a spirit of infirmity to get too cozy. A spirit of infirmity. I want you to uh, look with me at, at a passage of scripture here. I'm going to find the, the reference for it. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And uh, this is a familiar story for those who are regular Bible readers. Um, i got to find it here. Um, let's see, let's start with verse 10. You see, a spirit can harass us and can even touch us physically if we, you know, if we allow it. And that doesn't mean he touches us spiritually. That doesn't mean we're in sin. That doesn't mean we would go to hell if we died. That doesn't mean we have a demon per se. What that means is we are under an attack. The devil's trying to do stuff to us. Well, you know, don't you, that the devil is a spirit. And you know that God is a spirit. Do you also know you are a spirit? So that's where this stuff starts. And that's also where the cure is. That's where you can put an end to things. And so Jesus was teaching. And so I came to this passage in my study. I began walking through the New Testament. And I felt led of the Lord to do it with the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Classic. Now how many of you know that the Amplified Bible is very wordy? And I'll avoid the joke that you all know I'm trying to, that I'd like to tell. But it's very wordy. But there's a lot of good in that it, it, many of the key words and phrases, it will, 
in parentheses or brackets. It'll, it'll tell you a little more what that word means from the original. And it helps, gives us some insight, especially those of us who are not Greek scholars. You know, I don't read the Greek New Testament. It's all Greek to me. I, I don't read it that way. But so I'm dependent on other people who have and who know what the words mean. And so uh, I, I got to this passage. And it'll take you a while to get through Matthew, Mark, to Luke 13 in the Amplified Bible. If you're right, reading slowly to comprehend and you're really trying to soak in and feed your spirit and you're taking notes. So I, I was keeping on taking notes as I go because the, as you begin to get in the Word, the Lord speaks to you. Now I'm trying to go somewhere with this tonight. I'm trying to encourage you about this because there are answers you won't get unless you spend enough time in God's presence. And you can't always look for somebody else to give you a word that solves every problem. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you strongly, where words are concerned, that if they are not a word of confirmation, to treat them very, very, very carefully. I make no major decisions based on somebody's word to me. But it's always a blessing when somebody's word to me confirms what God's already spoken in my spirit. Do you understand that? So the Lord began to, you know, began to deal with me. And so this, this passage was quickened to me. And so I want to read it to you. Verse 10 says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Eighteen years. Notice. 18 years. That's a long time. That'd be like someone had a spirit of infirmity since 2005 to the present day. That's a long time. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Now, it's an interesting thing to look at this verse. There was a spirit that caused a physical problem. Now, if this woman were living today, people, were, the doctors would probably diagnose her perhaps with uh, arthritis, some kind of spinal disorder or whatever, and they might even today look inside her body through all the you know, magnetic imagery or x-rays or whatever, and they might actually see damage done. They would see the bent uh, back, the spine, whatever. But what we know from reading here is that this did not begin physically. It began spiritually. Now there are things physically that can be wrong that are not necessarily a spirit of infirmity. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that all sickness is caused by a spirit of infirmity. I mean, I remember one time a minister friend of mine telling me that he had a nephew that got really really into hot peppers. I've told Nick this story before. <laughs> I like hot peppers too. But anyway, he was really into it. So much so that he ate so much, so many, that a hole came in his stomach. There was just so much of that acid or whatever it is. It literally just, well, I guess we'd say burn a hole in his stomach. Now that's rare. That's not usual, of course. And I'm not telling you not to eat hot peppers. Eat them. If you grow some, bring me some. That's okay. But anyway, the point I'm making is that wasn't a spirit. That was too many peppers. 
when you awaken at 2 a.m. with this horrible acid reflux and heartburn, it's probably not a spirit. It was probably that pizza you ate at 10.30. And if you can eat pizza at 10.30 and it don't keep you awake, my hat's off to you. I used to be able to, but not anymore. So sometimes it's just a natural thing. We have to learn to cooperate with, uh, with where we are in life. It was Paul who made the statement in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, that our bodies are perishing day by day, meaning we get older. We're not going to be young forever, and someday we are going to physically die. But there are things that are deliberate conspiracies of the devil to take us out early. And he, he doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose. He doesn't want you to deplete his kingdom and to fill the kingdom of God with fruit, with souls for our labors. So anyway, uh, it says here that she had a spirit of infirmity. It caused this physical problem. And verse 12, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, why would he do that? Well, Acts 10.38 says he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And so evidently, in connection with the loosening of this woman from this spiritual attack, she was also going to get a boost or a shot, if you will, of the anointing power of God that brings healing. And so therefore, as we see here, immediately she was made straight. And glorified God. Isn't that wonderful? She was immediately made straight. So I began to realize that I'm dealing here with some spiritual stuff. And I, I need to be uh, on my guard, but I also need to go on the offensive. And so I took authority. And I can tell you, after a year, or almost a year of the situation, I can tell you this, that the devil will try to come back. He'll try to come back. And we see that in, in the New Testament as Jesus teaches about um, Satan, you know, trying to come. He even came at Jesus more than once, didn't he? Remember when Jesus defeated him? Uh, right after his baptism in the wilderness with the word of God. And it says that the devil departed from him. He was waiting for a more or, or a convenient season. What's a convenient season for the devil to attack? Number one, when we get angry. Number two, when we get tired. Physically tired. And when we, in combination with being physically tired, we push ourselves too far. When we get too busy, when we don't spend enough time in His presence and in His Word to stay spiritually strong and spiritually aware. Things can, as we say, sneak up on you if you're dull. Now, I don't, I'm not talking about your personality. I'm just meaning dull, like as in a knife that's not sharp, that won't do the same thing as a sharp knife will do. We can sometimes get spiritually dull. 
we get too busy. We got too much other stuff that's crowding into our minds and into our thinking to keep us from being where we need to be with the things of God. And I realized that uh, one thing I did realize was I was on the right track. I was on the right track to deal with this thing. I was on the right track. So by the time that, um, that all this was said and done, I was not shocked at the outcome. I was glad, of course, but not shocked because I knew that God was taking care of me. And uh, so I don't plan for that to happen again. And one of the scriptures I use in that regard is Nahum 1.9, This affliction shall not arise again the second time. And so, you didn't think I was perfect anyway, so that's no revelation to you. But what the revelation I want you to get is that you need constant diligence in these areas. As Brother Nelson said, the areas of faith and healing. I would call this message tonight biblical essentials for faith and healing. Because regardless of your current age, how young you are or old you are, regardless of your physical condition, whether you're in tip-top shape or not, the reality of John chapter 10 and verse 10 is, a, is an ever-present fact of life here on the earth until Jesus comes back. You know what John 10, 10 says, don't you? The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He lays it out there. That which steals, kills, and destroys is not from God. That which brings life and abundant life, that is God. And so therefore anything, we might say it this way, if it ain't good, it ain't God. And you also need to understand that Jesus basically boiled down the devil's motivation to this very simple thing. That's all he comes to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. And the day that we think that that's unimportant, the day we think that that's not really happening, the day we think that, or that, it's not uh, that there's no potential for it to happen, the day we ignore all that, we ignore it our own peril. We're in the world, but we're not of it, and we have to exercise authority. So let me make a few statements before we run out of time tonight. Faith isn't stagnant. Faith is dynamic. And faith is always in the present. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is. Somebody said, well, it says now. Well, the now is really a conjunction tying the previous verse. And, uh, you, you, you know, if you get somebody that's a real stickler that does understand about Greek and all that, they're going to say that now is not used that way. Well, let's, let's take the now, set it to the side for a moment. It still says faith is. And even I know that that's present tense. So faith is. It's always now. And that's why I said earlier, a right now faith requires a right now word from God. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing. Not what you heard, but what you're hearing now. I'm not saying you can't watch Jeopardy. I'm not saying you can't watch a, a decent movie if you can find one. I'm not saying that you can't, uh, you know, enjoy some entertainment. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, having some fun in that realm, there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing you've got to do is balance your life to the point where you are always putting more word in you than is going out. 
You don't ever want a deficit where faith is concerned because then you're caught in a tough spot. Not impossible to get out, but that's why many times people need so much help because they can't get it done themselves. I want to make a bold statement tonight that's true, uh, and I want you to take it to heart. It is possible for you, if you understand what I'm saying tonight, if this language is not like, you know, above your head, and I'm sure it isn't because you're smart folks, then you can believe your way into anything you want to believe your way into that's based on the Word of God. Thank God for gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the laying on of hands. Thank God for all of these things. We believe in them. We practice them. But the highest and best way to receive is for your faith to produce and for you to get healed, as the Word says. So cultivating and exercising faith is an ongoing process. Regardless of how long we live and how long we serve God, faith as we know, gives us the ability to please God and the ability to receive from Him. So important. Faith is the common characteristic of everyone who achieves a great life in God. And whether they're a well-known person or relatively obscure, it doesn't really make the difference. If they have a great life in God and they live long, they live strong, they live well, and they live blessed, then they have had to use their faith. And this is true like I say, whether they're well-known or not. And so we must seek only to impress God. <coughs> I want people to like me. Don't you? I don't want to be intentionally mean to anybody. I don't want to be an unkind person. I don't want to be ill-thought of. But I'm really not about impressing people. I want to impress God. It is His well done. Quote, unquote. His well done. Matthew 25, 21, that matters for eternity. And you'll never get a well done from God outside of faith. So how does this apply to the healing and the health and longevity of our body? And, and I want to say this, especially if you're younger. I thought about, you know, trying to put a number on that, but I would offend somebody and probably lie about it too so anyway we won't do that but no matter how young you are whatever's going on in your life I want to tell you that sooner or later as brother Nelson said you're going to need your faith and you're going to need to know how to believe God so so this applies to our healing our health and our longevity but I want you to understand this now I'm not trying to take you back away from faith. I'm not trying to say this isn't important because it's very important. But in the grand scheme of things, from God's perspective, and that's what a renewed mind is, that's seeing things from God's perspective. You need to know this. Your body is the least important part of your threefold nature. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, that area of life, which is very important. You're a spirit being. You possess a soul. And you live in a body. It's only temporary. And as I mentioned earlier, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 4.16 as perishing day by day. So why would we make such a, an emphasis about healing? Why, why would a church like this say so much about it from time to time and have so many times when they lay hands on the sick? And 
encourage people to believe for miracles. Well, here's the thing you've got to understand. If you don't have a body, you can't stay here. Your body's your earth suit. When they went to the moon years ago, they had to wear special clothing. They had to carry their atmosphere with them inside their suit. Because the atmosphere on the moon would not, um, it, would, it wouldn't uh, sustain life. It wouldn't do it. And, and so they had to have a moon suit, they called it. And do the moonwalk and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, you can't stay on earth without an earth suit. And your earth suit is your body. And the reason it's important that we stay as long as we need to stay is because we, we need to do our job. I have a job. You have a job. I'm talking about in the kingdom. You need to live long enough to accomplish God's will for your life. Now in the process of that, God will just, because he loves you, he'll bless you to enjoy many physical good things. I mean, you can enjoy a lot of things inside this body uh, that we're living in. But never forget the main reason you're in a house, a physical house, a body, is because God has given you an assignment, and you can't do that assignment when you leave your body. So, one of our main mind renewal goals should be to have a biblical view of the body and in that process we need to understand its temporary and utilitarian nature I like my house I enjoy my house but my house isn't me if I didn't have it I'd still be me my world wouldn't come to an end they make them every day well the body is just my house. I'm going to get a new one one of these days, and it won't have a baseball thing on the top of it, and it will have hair on top of it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I would hope that when I get to glory, that at least for a while, he would let me have that, long, that big head of blonde hair one more time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But anyway, um, it's just utilitarian. It's, it's to get about in. It's our house. And here's what we need to understand. The more body conscious we are. This is very, very important. The more body conscious you are, the more open you are to the fear of death. If you're always checking how you feel. If you're always checking how you look. If you're always concerned about something physical then you are more susceptible to the fear of death to dominate you. Ephes uh, not Ephesians, but Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15 says to us that Jesus Christ freed us from the fear of death. Have you read that? I, I want to read it for, for you tonight again. I'm sure you have, but I want to read it so I, I get it right. I don't want to misquote it. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15. Actually, we'll start with verse 14. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, and that's Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same. 
So he became uh, flesh and blood. He, he, he came to live in a body of flesh and blood. That through death, we know that's the death on the cross, he might destroy him that had, that had past tense, the power of death. That is the devil. And, so he's not finished, and deliver them who through fear of death, do you see that? Through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death is a bondage. The fear of infirmity, sickness, weakness, it is a bondage. And it's a hellish, demonic bondage. Over which, praise God, I'm glad we got to this part, you have authority. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, upon the authority of the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, you have been given power and authority over all demons and devils. In the name of Jesus, you do not have to be bound by the fear of death or any other spirit for that matter. <coughs> Our current culture is dominated by the flesh. Have you noticed that? It's by the body. Over and over again. When you, when you check a news feed to see what's going on in the world, you keep, all this stuff keeps popping up about who is the last old lady that decided to go naked in front of everybody to show them that she don't, she's not as, look as old as she really is. I don't know about you, but I get kind of tired of that. I'm thinking, these poor dear people. Some of them are millionaires, movie stars. They're so caught up in the physical that they got to do this crazy stuff. Can you imagine growing up as the grandchild of one of those old ladies? If you're an old lady, don't get mad at me because I know you didn't do that. We live in a culture where it's all about the size of your waist. It's all about how many wrinkles you don't have or you do have. It's all about the body. Human flesh, which, by the way, is weak, comparatively speaking, to spiritual things. Human flesh, with all its weakness and lusts, consumes so much of modern people's thinking and dominates so much of their energy, their money, their time, their planning, and their attention in general. I mean, there are people who have had so much plastic surgery that they don't even look like themselves. Now you can say, well, but you said you hoped the doctor could make you look 40. Well, you can hope. <laughs> but at least, at least I didn't go crazy. <clears throat> and he didn't do it. But you understand my point. We have, more t we have more focus on medicines. I mean, we have commercials now on television. And they just name this, this uh, trade name of medication. And tell you to talk to your doctor about it. And I don't even know what they're talking about. I might be talking to my doctor about birth control or something. I don't know. <laughs> What would I, how would I know? What is it? Just tell them the name. Doctor, do I need so-and-so? No, you're a man. <laughs> and even that has become, well, we won't go there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just the, the culture's dominated. 
by this trivial, unimportant, unspiritual stuff that keeps people so, um, so distracted and preoccupied that they don't even know they're a spirit. They don't know how to touch the spiritual dimension. One of our keys as believers to living long, strong, and well is to see our body in the proper perspective. The proper perspective is, it is our temporary house to be sanctified for the master's use, and we have it for as long as we need it to fulfill our God-given purpose. You know, how long is that? Well, I don't know how long it is for everybody else. I don't know that I'm interested in living to be 120. Because if I did, I would have to have plastic surgery. Nobody would want to look at me. (laughs) I'd have to go around with a mask on. There'll come a time when you'll get satisfied. There'll come a time you'll know. And when that time comes, the transition will be as easy as you walking out of this room tonight to go to your car. Not a struggle, not fearful, but just going to be with Jesus. Do you remember, some of you, do you remember when you were a small kid, when you got to go to somebody's house, your grandma's house, or somebody you really looked forward, maybe for weeks and months, to go and be there? And... Among other things, it was just different than home. And so there was just a good thing about that. Well, that's the way going to heaven is. It's way better than your house, no matter how good a house you have. So we've got to understand that our body is our servant, not our master. It should function properly until we're ready to lay it down and go to be with the Lord. Now, I'm going to close in Second Peter chapter 1 tonight. I've been studying and reading and meditating in the, the book of Second Peter. It's, it's, a, it's only three chapters, but it's Peter's last words. And you know, if you studied the Gospels, Peter really saw some stuff. From the Mount of Transfiguration to the raising of Lazarus from the dead to the uh, crucifixion on the cross to the resurrected Savior. I mean, he doesn't have as many verses penned as Paul does, but he was no... No small character in the New Testament. And so Second Peter is three chapters of his last words. And one of the things that he says about dying is found in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 14. He says, knowing that shortly I must... And notice this, this terminology. I'm reading from the King James. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these these things always in remembrance. Now, I want you to notice the way he phrased that. He says, I'm going to put off my tabernacle. That word could also be translated tent. He was talking about his body. And notice he said, I'm going to put it off. So it would be just like me taking off this coat. This coat isn't me. And when when I'm not in this coat, it has no power on its own 
to do anything or be anywhere. That's the way your body is. It only lives because you're in it. It is animated because you live. You move. And you have being inside this house. And God would never ever want you to live in a shack. God would never ever want you to live in a house full of holes and leaks and vermin and, and unsafe and unstructurally sound. God wants you to live in a good house as long as you're here. So I, I'm not done, but I think I am done, and I've got to quit. But I hope you've been blessed. I wanted to share this with you tonight because this is so important to get our mind wrapped around these things. Now, it would be wonderful if I had a gift uh, that somehow I could present the full import of all this in 35 minutes, and then you could go home and get it all. But it takes more time than that. And so that's why we had next week. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. And I don't know, Lord, who is here facing something that perhaps is very major, a life and death issue perhaps, or someone that's watching. I don't know how many people have chronic things that they just can't seem to get full victory over. I don't know all those details, Lord, but you do. And even though they may be varied and quite different in the way they manifest there is but one answer and that's Jesus the living word and then the written word that produces faith and reveals the living word so father 